administration and faculty. I uh, thank you for your gracious invitation for uh, the opportunity to speak in this commencement exercise, and I take it as a great honor, and I um, appreciate the privilege to be here tonight, and I do count it as an honor. I thank the Lord for uh, these young people. Uh, parents, uh, congratulations. Unless someone has sat where you sit, they don't understand uh, the emotions tonight of pride and also um, it's a deep sadness. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. It's, there's a joy and a sorrow at the same time. Where did the time go and how did it get here this quickly? And um, can we go back and have a do-over one more time and let the little ones be little and build their forts in the, in the living room and all the things that you've done as families? But congratulations in um, rearing your children and the, giving them the value of Christian education. Family and grandparents, I'm so glad that you've been able to be here tonight to celebrate in this event that is a milestone in the lives of your children, your grandchildren, and um, that you would be able to be here tonight, I know means the world to them, and we, uh, we rejoice with your families. I do want to give a brief challenge as kind of a cram. You guys are used to that, aren't you? Cramming at the last minute before the test. Well, this is a commencement exercise, and commencement means the beginning. And so before you begin, let's cram. I'm going to give you some very simple and yet profound principles from God's Word tonight. Both of you young people have had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home. You've had the value of a Christian education. You've been surrounded by godly teachers, Sunday school teachers, many of them in this room. You've had the privilege of being in a Bible preaching church. If you were to sit down and count up how many times you've heard a preacher say, take your Bibles and turn to, uh, there are probably innumerable times that you've heard that. You've heard much of the Word of God. Just like through the semester and through the school year, you hear a lot in the classroom. And then test day, you're still cramming. And so we're going to cram tonight. Man is a very clever creature. We, um, we are made with a great intellect. God gave us that intellect. Of all the creatures of the world, man has such a incredible thirst for knowledge. And God gave us that so that we might find him. We have seen in the last 120 years in our country the human race go from horse and buggy to landing rovers on Mars. We have gone from one-room schoolhouses in just 120 years to splitting atoms. We've been to the moon and beyond in space exploration. We've gone from traveling on horseback to riding on airplanes five miles in the air at 600 knots the advancements of mankind are astronomical. 
and they're growing every day. And yet, man has lost his way in the dark. God gave us these wonderful educations. God gave us an incredible intelligence and the ability to learn. But for both of you graduates tonight, Tyler and Emily, I want you to know that you can't think your way through this life. Education is not the answer. I'm for education. But education is not the answer. The Bible tells us clearly in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 to keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. And when God tells you to keep your heart, he's not talking about the organ of your heart that is pumping blood through your body tonight. But he's talking about your mind. He's talking about the part of you that is the intangible, the psyche. It's interesting that God destroyed the world one time. He destroyed the world in a catastrophic flood. And God's in reason for destroying the world was because of men's minds. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 5, and God saw that the thoughts of men's hearts were only evil continually. You see, this world is interested in the brain. This world is interested in training the brain, educating the brain. And if there are problems, we want to medicate the brain. But the brain is not the mind. Your brain is simply the instrument at which your mind sits to play. The brain is somewhat like this piano. It's just an instrument. Now, don't get your hopes up. Some of you don't have a grand piano. <laughs> the brain is like the piano. Some of you have got a little spinner piano. Maybe an upright. Some of you have got the little play skill three keys, the yellow, red, and orange key. But what's important is not the instrument. What's important is who sits at the instrument. If I were to sit at that piano tonight and I were to have played the offertory, it would have been entertaining, but it would have been awful. But when one of these, and you have many qualified pianists, sits at that piano and begins to control the piano from it issues, harmony, and everything in accord. And that's why your moms and your dads, your Christian school teachers, the church, the Word of God has not gone into the field of just training the brain, but to help you cultivate the mind of Christ, to think with the mind of Jesus Christ. You see, there are people today who have brilliant brains. They have degrees behind their names. They have 
incredible educations. They've been to the highest levels of learning only to graduate and simply be a more clever devil. Only through the fear of God comes knowledge. Only when a man learns to fear the Lord does a man truly begin to learn. That's why the Bible tells us that when we get saved, God has to do a transforming work in our mind. To be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The Bible tells us to let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Paul told the Corinthian church, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So with all of the options that are available in the world and with all the oppositions that are available from Satan today, how do we find our way in the dark? I put myself tonight in the shoes of these two graduates, although I would not wear Emily's shoes tonight. But I put myself in your shoes, and as I've prayed for this service and thought about both of you and the homes that you've come from, and I think about the future that you face, for just a moment as adults, stop and think for this, just this moment. The daunting task of graduating high school in the world climate today. With the confusion and the uncivil discourse and the powers that are bringing confusion into every realm of life. I sat with a young lady today at the hotel for just a moment. She was one of the maids at the hotel and she'd come outside to take a break and I began to speak with her for a moment. We began to talk and I asked her if she was from Hattiesburg and she was not and we began to talk about life in general and what she was doing here and how she got here and we began to talk about the issues of the world and she said see you and I are talking right now and everybody wants to say that this is a racist world and I can love you and you can love me and she said it's not as bad as everybody thinks it is and I said you're right and here's a young lady out in the world has no biblical understanding of the world and yet trying to find her way through a very confusing world I got to share Jesus with her today. The world is trying to divide us on every front. And as I look at these two incredible young people tonight, and I think about the daunting task of facing an uncertain future, truly, the world is a dark place. It really is but you are lights in the world. And Jesus has put you in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation that you would shine as lights and to bring hope. When I see these two young people, I see hope in the darkness. How do you find your way through the dark? Tyler and Emily, you've got tons of choices to make in the days to come. 
What do we do with our life? And I don't know why we do this to kids that are 17 and 18 at the end of their high school career. We begin to ask them, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Like we have to have some magical answer. Oh, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get a BA in that. I'm going to work at this job, and I'm going to live in a house that's yellow, and I'm going to paint the shutters blue, and we're going to have a picket fence and a dog and green grass. I'm going to plant a plum tree. I mean, we don't know what we're going to do. No idea what we're going to do. We expect 17-year-olds to have their life mapped out. So what are you going to do? Here's what you're going to do. Simple. Number one, the principle of God's word is found for you in your life as we cram tonight Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. The first thing, Tyler and Emily, that you're going to do to find your way in the dark tonight is you're going to let God choose the way. Trust in the Lord. <laughs> he knows the way. You can't think your way through it. You can't find God's way for your life head first. You find God's way for your life heart first. You simply trust the Lord. You know, many Christians don't trust the Lord. A lot of Christians sitting in church tonight are practical atheists. We say we believe in God, and yet we don't trust the Lord. And why is that? Simply put, they do not love him. And the reason why they don't love him is they don't know him. You see, to know the Lord is to love the Lord. And to love the Lord is to trust the Lord. And to trust the Lord is to obey the Lord. You get to know him, you'll love him. I mean, could you imagine tonight, as you leave this graduation ceremony, and maybe you and your family stop off somewhere to get some ice cream, and you're in the little parlor, and all of a sudden, some stranger just walks up to you and says, hey, close your eyes, open your mouth. I want you to taste something. Would you do it? No. Well, I hope not. But if I walked into the kitchen tonight and my wife was in there and she was fixing something and she said, hey, come here, sweetheart. Close your eyes and open your mouth. I still wouldn't do it. <laughs> But I could do it because I know her, and I love her. To know her is to love her, and to love her is to trust her, and to trust her is to obey her. Listen to me. Let God choose the way. Just let God choose. What does that take? It takes surrender. Yield. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Number two. Number two. Not only do we... Let God choose the way. If you're going to find your way in the dark, what are you going to do? You're going to let God control the way. You're going to let him control the way. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. God, I'm trusting you, and this is the way you've told me to go, and I don't necessarily understand the way, but I'm trusting you. I'm letting you control it. And now, Lord, I'm giving you everything and letting you control the way. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. You let God choose the way that you're going to go, and then you let God control the way. 
Well, how does God control the way? He controls it through his word. It's a wonderful thing if you really think about it because we have a loving Heavenly Father that watches over you and he is sovereign and he is in control. Aren't you glad tonight to know that we have a God who's in control? In a world today that seems out of control, we know a God who's right in control. This world is not out of God's uh, ability to take care of. God knows exactly what he's doing. And life is going according exactly how God has planned it, exactly what Jesus said. And one of these days, at the blink of an eye, Jesus is going to show up. And it's all going to unfold that God, all along, has had a plan. And it's wonderful to know that now. I hope you don't have to discover that then. To know it now that you have a Heavenly Father that's in control that watches over everything. You have a Father above you controlling everything. But I love this. You have a... (laughs) You have a Jesus who walks with you. And he he talks with you, and he walks with you, and he speaks to you, and you have the Spirit of God within you who witnesses to you and with a still, small voice leads you. The Bible says that he will get behind you and he'll speak to you and guide you in your ear. It's a wonderful thing to know that you can just let God control the way. Now watch this very carefully, and we're done. You let God choose the way of your life. You don't have to worry about all that you're going to do. Just let God choose it. Surrender your life. Trust in the Lord. Let God choose the way. And when he's chosen the way, then you begin to walk it, and let God control the way. And then the third thing is you let God confirm the way. You see, some people say, well, I believe God is leading me to do this. But the problem is, is what they're doing is contrary to God's word. God is never going to lead you to do something that is contrary to the Word of God. I had somebody walk in my office over here years ago and say, Pastor, I've got a problem. And I said, what's your problem? He said, I'm married to the wrong woman. And I said, what's new? No, I mean, I said, uh, I said, okay. I said, so what's the problem? And he said, he said, I know who the right one is. And I said, okay, who is it? Well, there's a lady that I work with. She's the right one. And so I want to marry her. And I said, well, she's not the right one for you. Oh, yes, she is. I said, oh, no, she's not. He said, yes, she is. I said, oh, no, she's not. He said, how can you say that? I said, I didn't say it. God said it. God said, thou shalt not commit adultery. You're married. And like it or not, she's the right one. So go home and quit worrying if she's the right one and you be the right one. Go love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Well, I think God's leading me to marry this other woman. I said, you're out of your gourd. God isn't leading you to commit adultery. He's already told you in his word what he said. Now listen to me. There are people that say that God's leading me, but they're living contrary to the word of God. If you'll let God just choose the way of your life and let God control the way of your life, let me tell you what he'll do. Day by day by day, as you read the word, God will confirm it to you. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 58 and verse 11, and the Lord shall guide thee continually. Now, can I tell you, I've, I've banked on that. I have, I have banked on that, that he will guide me continually. I don't know, Pastor, have you ever gotten in situations, you're going into a meeting or you've got to deal with something and you don't know exactly what to do? You ever been there? I mean, you probably always know what to do. I never know what to do. 
I'm walking into a meeting and I have no idea what I'm going to do. And I'll just stop for just a moment. I'll stop and I'll just say, now, Lord, I have no idea what to do with this. But you do. And I'm asking for wisdom. I'm asking for guidance. And you know it's amazing. He shall guide thee continually. God will guide you when you're alone. God will guide you through difficult days. He'll guide you through good days. You have a full-time guide through life. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen in the future. You've got a guide that's going to take you out. And he's going to guide you step by step. The Bible says in Psalm 32 in verse 8, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Listen, if you want to see God's guidance with his eye, you have to seek his face. Some never see the guidance of God because they're not seeking his face. They're seeking his hand. They want what God can give them instead of wanting him. You let him choose and you come to him and God will guide you continually. Ephesians 2 and verse number 10. He just told us that he saved us by grace through faith. And then he says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Which he hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You know it's a great joy tonight for both of you graduates? That God already has a plan that he's made you specifically for. Now listen to me carefully. Nobody can fulfill that plan like you can fulfill that plan. Nobody can serve the Lord like you can serve the Lord. Nobody can bring glory to the Lord like you can bring glory to the Lord. Nobody can worship him like you can worship him. And if you refuse those things to him, he will be refused glory and worship that no one else can give him but you. But if you give it, and you give all of you to him, he gives all of you to you, all of him to you. <laughs> and I'm dead. that's a great exchange. You give all of you to him, he'll give all of him to you, and he'll guide you with his eye. Psalm 37 and verse number 23, I mentioned it a moment ago, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. You say, now who is that talking about, Brother Miller? Who, do, who delights in the way? Does the man delight in his way or does God delight in his way? And the answer is yes. When you let God direct the steps, you both delight in the way. You know, it's a joy. You know, you don't have to know the whole way. I mean, just to tell you the truth, Tyler and Emily, if we laid out the whole future, your whole future, you wouldn't want to know that. Somebody asked me one time, said, Brother Miller, do you want to know how you're going to die? I said, no. Could you imagine if God would tell you how you're going to die? You'd be scared to death. Now, I don't, know how, I don't want to know how I'm going to die, but I would like to know where. I just never would go there. <laughs> but God doesn't just give you the whole map. Let me tell you what God does. God just says, here, my word will be a lamp to your feet, a light to your path. And I'll just take a step. You know, tonight when we get in our automobile and we turn on, the, turn on the car, the headlights will come on. And you know, something about those headlights, they don't shine all the way to your house. What they do is just shine right down the road a little bit and you drive to what you can see. And then you drive to what you can see. And you drive to what you can see. And you keep driving to what you can see. And before long, <laughs> the lights fall on the house. And the Bible says the path of the just is as a shining light, shining more and more unto the perfect day. You too just keep following the Lord every day of your life. And one day the light will fall on the gates of heaven and you'll walk in and you'll see the Lord Jesus. And he'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now here's my favorite part of the message and I'm done. Verse number six says, in all thy ways acknowledge him for he shall direct 
thy paths. And you know what's interesting? To direct your path means to make the path smooth. It's to lower the high places and to, uh, and to uh, heighten the low places. It's to make it smooth. It's exactly what the Bible said of John. The same word is used, he shall direct your path. It's the same word used of John the Baptist that he was sent to prepare a way for the Lord in the wilderness. To move out the rocks and to make the path clear. This is what the Lord does. When you trust in the Lord with all your heart and you let the Lord choose the way. And in all the way acknowledge him, let him control the way. And lean not to your own understanding. Let God confirm the way over and over and over and over again. Let me tell you what God will do. God will clear the way. You know what the great thing about this is? If you just let God have your life, God gets in a big bulldozer and goes right out in front of you. And he just removes obstacles that don't need to be there. And he makes the low places high and the high places low. And God makes a way in your life. I've watched God do it over and over and over and over again. Time and time again, when you give the way to God, God makes the way for you, and he'll do it. When I was in high school, I played, I played football, and um, it was a small Christian school, and we, we, played, uh, we, we got to play just a couple years of tackle, and uh, we weren't real good, and um, we played against some of these eastern Colorado farm boys that were just gigantic. They were farm bred and bucking bales every summer, and I mean, these guys, were, these guys were big and tough, and we played these guys. Well, I had, it was eight-man tackle football, and I had, I had three guys in front of me, Marky right here, and then Brian and Jeremy, and they were my center and my guards. And I remember one game we came to, and we, were, we needed to win this game, and we wanted to win this game. It was, we were right down to the wire, and we had the ball fourth down and one. Fourth down and one. And I remember my coach, he grabbed he grabbed, I don't, still to this day, don't know how he did it because he only had two hands, but he grabbed all three of those guys by the face mask. And he had two of them over here, and he had one over here, and he pulled those guys in, and he said, you better, you better get out in front and open it up. And he said, you're going to quarterback sneak it. And I remember I got under, uh, down, and everybody in the whole place knew I was going, I was going to do the quarterback sneak. I was going to dive. And Mark snapped the ball. All I had to do was just hold it, and I had to just try to push forward. But the coach had been, he had so fired those guys up when we got out there. When Mark snapped the ball, I went to step forward. There was nobody there. I mean, I could have given the ball to my grandmother, and she could have scored a touchdown. I mean, there was a hole so big. I mean, I think, I think Mark took his man, took him all the way over the concession stand, bought him a bag of popcorn, introduced him to his parents. I mean, these guys just, these guys, and I, I ran in the touchdown. And I remember running around the touchdown, and I, I had the, and everybody's honking horns, and everybody's, everybody's clapping, and everybody's hollering and cheering. And here I am, you know, running around like I did something great. And those guys are picking up their teeth and <laughs> trying to find their face masks, and pulling themselves out of the mud. Let me tell you what they did. Those guys directed my path. Let me tell you what the Lord's going to do when you let God choose the way. God just gets right out in front, and he just opens the way, and you get to walk through. And here's what's going to happen. <laughs> you say, God, I'm going to trust you with all my heart. I'm going to let you choose the way of my life. And Lord, uh, I'm going to let you control it in all my ways. I'm going to acknowledge you. And Lord, I'm going to let you confirm it through your word. I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. I'm going to lean to your word. And God said, okay, now here's what I'm going to do for you, Tyler and Emily. I'm going to clear the way. 
And God said, I'm going to go before you. And he does. And here's what he does. He goes before you and you live your life for him. And when you get to heaven, he turns around to you and says, well done. Well done. <laughs> Isn't that something? That's the goodness and the graciousness of God. Well, I hope you crammed. Because the test begins and God has a plan for you. You follow it. Father.